was gone. Jen and I, we live an incredible life. We are so richly blessed because the opportunity to help people is what drives both of us. We don't have to give. We don't have to go to church on Sundays. We don't have to read our Bible. We don't have to do anything. We get to. Jen and I, we give because we go to a church that where every Sunday people come up to the front and give their life to Christ or commit to change. I want to see more of that. I want to see lives change. I want to see marriages change. I want to see kids grow up in, in families that are solid, right? We get to be part of that. And our giving makes that happen. And we are thrilled to give because we want to see more of that happen. That's why we give. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Let's start Rock Church. How's everybody doing today? We have a campus that's launching today, our San Marcos campus. They have just moved to their new facility. Let's give them a big hand up there. What's up, San Marcos? San Marcos! They got a great crowd up there, and we are so excited for what God's going to do through that. Your new facility is right next to, across the street from San Marcos High School, which is right next to High Tech High up there. So God bless y'all, and uh, God's going to do an amazing thing. Um, let me reemphasize what you just heard. The life classes, uh, RFL, I'm sorry, RFL. A rock financial class next Saturday. Um, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of stories of people's lives being transformed. If you could take this out real quick, take this out real quick. Are we bulletin? Hundreds of lives being transformed through getting your finances together. I can't encourage you enough to go to this class, help you get a budget, help you get out of debt, and help you have some discipline in your finances. This is uh, one of the top two or three ways people get divorced is because of money and have stress in their life. So let me encourage you in that. Uh, let's give a shout out to all our campuses, East County, North County, San Diego, San Marcos, and City Heights. Let's give all a big hand about that. And Juvenile Hall and Donovan State Prison. Let's give them a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Before we pray, um, uh, let me say a couple of comments about the election and what's going on in our country. Um, I was watching college football yesterday, which is my ritual on Saturday. Can I get an amen? Yeah, okay, I'm feeling okay. Uh, for all of you who are not into sports, um, uh, there is a show called Game Day. And Game Day is a uh, show that comes on before the college football games. And they have about 1,000, 2,000 college students in the background. And the commentators talk about all the college games that are going on in the country. And, you know, they just give you previews, et cetera. And one of the comments they made yesterday was comparing the atmosphere at game day compared to the atmosphere in our country and how sports has an ability to bring people together who are different and diverse and, and have fun together. And when he said that, it was very insightful and it was very true, but if there's one place that that should happen more than any place, it's right here at church. A amen. Not only in this building, but when you leave this building. Our, the devil has a very, the devil's very smart. He's not smarter than God, but he's smarter than us. He's a genius. And he is very strategically dividing our country. And he's been doing that forever, and it's just now boiling up again. And what God has called us to do 
is to promote the gospel and to promote love. If you look around the room in all our campuses, every single one of our five campuses, it is diverse. It is the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there are all the multitudes and all the nations will be there. That is a fact of life. Unfortunately, on Sunday morning in most churches, when I say most, 90 plus percent, it is very segregated. In this church, it is not. So I want to talk to you as the family of God and the Rock Church family, that God has given us a very unique opportunity to be around people on a weekly basis in a very safe place that we are going to keep this place to be safe. That you could be around people who don't look like you, who don't have a life like you, and let me tell you, have a very different life experience than you. But what unites us is not politics. This is not a Democrat church. This is not a Republican church. This is not a Hillary church. This is not a Trump church at all. This is a Jesus Christ church. Amen. Obviously, there are tons of people in this church who voted for both candidates, all four candidates. So be it. Great. That's fine. You have, you have the right. God bless you. All that stuff. But all the hate and rhetoric that's going on out there that's very divisive has no place in our family at all. No staff member, no volunteer, we, you do not represent the political uh, uh, persuasions. Now, as Christians, we are called to pray for our officials. We are called to obey the law as much as, it, as until it causes us to disobey God. We will never disobey God. That is not ever our freedom to disobey God at the, at the, at, at, because of any law of man. And the number one commandment God has given us to love one another. That's the number one commandment above all things. And this next few years or months or whatever is going to test your faith. Because you are going to have to choose between your friends, your culture, your background, your family, and Jesus Christ. Because they're going to say, what corner are you in? Did you pick that person or that person? And you're going to find yourself saying, "Now I have to now defend my decision. No, no, no. You defend your faith. And you say, no, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not getting caught up in that argument. I would, I would highly encourage you as family. Can't tell you what to do. But I would highly encourage you as family not to get in those arguments because you are trying to defend a flawed system or a flawed person. That's a, a futile thing. You fight for Jesus Christ. Now, what does that practically mean? There are people in our community who are scared. You pray for them. You comfort them. You do not criticize them. There are people in, in, in our country who are saying, or in our family, who are worried about their family members, worried about what this means to, to their family, their friends. You pray for them and you encourage them. And that you say, no, I am going to be a person of love. And I'm going to be a person of compassion. I'm going to be a person of patience. And if you look around, right around you, there are people who are different than you. That God has said, that is your brother, that is your sister. And if you have animosity towards someone or some group, say, God, please take it away. Because God looks at every single person in this country and says, I love them, and I want to encourage them, and I want to draw them close to God. I want to draw them close to God. That is our responsibility. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so when we come in here, when you go into a foreign country and you walk onto an embassy, if you're in England and you walk onto the, the American embassy, as soon as you walk past inside the fence of the American embassy, you are on American soil. 
You are no longer in England. And it's true for every embassy all around the world. When you walk into here, and this is a metaphor. This building is a metaphor for wherever you are because you walk under an open heaven. That you are a citizen of heaven. You are standing on holy ground when you are in the presence of God. And when you are standing on holy ground in the presence of God as a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3.20, you act as a citizen of heaven. And a citizen of heaven is ruled by the law of love and Jesus Christ, not the law of the land. The law of the land says you have to pick a corner. I say there's a third option. The third option is no, I stand with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to love everybody in my life no matter how they treat me or say what about me. John chapter 17, Jesus said, this is the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer was not our Father who art in heaven. That's a prayer, he, a model he told us to pray. But the actual Lord's prayer in John chapter 17, it's a, it's a whole chapter, I'm not going to go through the whole thing except what he said in verse 20 to 22. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one as we are one. When you look at the TV, do you see one, you see two. You see division. It's a metaphor. Two is a metaphor of division, us and them. God says, I pray you be one. Can you, my church, this is God, can you, my church, be one? Can you model oneness? Can you love your brother and your sister even when they disagree with you? And by the way, even when they disagree with you with hate, all the stuff that we're seeing written on cars and written on walls, which I saw and all of us who are in my age group saw when we were growing up, all that stuff coming back. Can you still love them as Christ loves them? Can you be patient? Can you, who are on the other side saying, those people need to go, whatever, can you love them and comfort them? Because the devil's trying to cause division. That's the number one commandment. And that is our mandate. It is going to test your faith. It's going to challenge you. Let it challenge you and say, God, I am going to prove my commitment to you by how I respond. The sky is not falling. God is still on the throne. God is still, and, and God, and, 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 and no, no government, no president, no leader of this world or country could ever trust me, could ever prevent God's will from happening in your life as long as you trust him. It is impossible. So put your faith, get your faith regrounded in Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I, you do, we do not know what's going to happen. But what we do know is that God is on the throne. And what we do know is God is faithful and he will never leave you or forsake you no matter what. And what we do know is that no matter what happens, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Which means that no matter what's happening around me, Lord, I am going to trust you. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to hold on to you. And you will never let me down. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Looking on our knees. <clears throat> oh God, we thank you for being who you are. We thank you for never leaving our side. We thank you for being a God of love and grace and patience and wisdom. Lord, I pray for my family today. There's so much hurt and pain and division in our country, in our city. 
and in our family. And we, I pray that we would draw closer to you and draw strength and wisdom and peace and love and patience and forgiveness from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. I pray that our Christianity would move from going to church a few Sundays a year, reading the Bible every now and then to a dependence for our hope and our strength as much as we depend on air to breathe. I pray the church would rise up during this time like never before and show what love and unity and diversity is all about. Show what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, this hour, today. And Lord, I pray for all the people who have frustration and anger and fear in their heart. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that spirit out of their life. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to flood their heart with peace and joy and hope. Because you are the Prince of Peace. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And you will never be dethroned. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you get up, before you get up, I want you to find someone who, does, who you do not know. And it doesn't look like you. And tell them this. Man, I don't like this. <laughs> don't come to church to have your ears scratched. To hear what you want to hear. Amen. We come to church to be challenged to be more like Christ. Can I get amen? amen. Okay, so I'm loving this right now. <laughs> Find someone you don't, that doesn't look like you and say this to them. I am committed to loving you with all my heart. Amen. Let's do that. Amen. Amen. Now here's your challenge. When you leave here, that's your mandate. No matter what anybody says to you, when you leave here, that's your mandate. And for all of us who are older, we've been down this road before. Can I get amen? We've been down this road before. This is your opportunity to show what your faith is really all about. <clears throat> Let's see your Bibles on three. One, two, three. Say word. word. One more time, church. Say word. word. Let's go. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we will do a message in 17 minutes. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. 17 minutes. Give or take. <laughs> we'll see. One of the, my favorite places to go is prison. <laughs> One of my favorite places to go is prison. I'm an evangelist. I love speaking to people who want to hear the gospel. When I go to churches and say all have sinned, you hear, you know, silence. When I go to prison and say all have sinned, I hear Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the forgiveness part. <laughs> Guys hungry who want to hear about forgiveness. Because they're aware of what many of us are not aware of. That they're sinners. Because a lot of us have convinced themselves we're not that bad. 
And when, we go to, when I go to prison, I see a bunch of guys and or, and or women who, whose freedoms have been taken away from them. They eat when they tell you to eat. You live with whom they tell you to live. You don't get your own furniture. You wear what they give you to wear. You have yard time, outside, exercise time, when they tell you, how they tell you. I walked into Pelican Bay State Prison, which is up north in California, one of the highest, if not the highest security prison in the country. I happened to be up there doing something else. I said, can I go to the local prison? They said, well, it's Pelican Bay. I said, okay, cool. So I walk in there, and there's a guy outside doing his yard time, his exercise time, in a cage that was bolted to the wall. In other words, it's the size of maybe a phone booth, and it's bolted to the wall, and he's outside in that. His yard time was even limited. And so when you go to prison, you see all these people whose, whose rights are being taken away. I wonder how many of you are pursuing something that is putting you in bondage. Is that you have a spirit of more. I have to have more. More money, more house, more car, more things, more shoes. Ladies, <laughs> and some guys who got uh, shoe things, <laughs> more shoes. You buy shoes and then you, ha- you can't only but wear them one time. As though someone's going to see you in them again and think there's something wrong with you. I want to talk about you escaping <laughs> the spirit of discontent, the bondage of discontent. You know, we, we had an all-in campaign. We started uh, 10 months ago. We had all these people pledge financial, uh, make financial pledges for two years, and we're over $3 million behind schedule. And we talk about tithes and offerings, and people give a little bit. And it's really not about you giving. It's about you expressing a heart that is not in bondage to more for you. It's a difference between being generous and being greedy. I have to have more. And so I want to talk to you about three points. Let me, let's fill in these blanks real quick. I'm just going to give you the fill-ins, so, and then we'll read the text. It says, one, God's intent of being content, or God's intent of you being content. God has the intention that you would be content with your life. In other words, God wants you to be content. Think about that. You may say, I'm not content. I, I have these, these desires in me. God wants you to be able to chill. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number two, uh, some of you suffer from the spirit of more. And, and actually a spirit. What I mean by that is that there is, a, there is a spiritual presence in your life, demonic, very subtle. And by the way, when we, whenever I say demonic, I mean not the Holy Spirit. The spirit that is opposite and contrary to the will of God. And the spirits that are opposite and contrary to the will of God will stir up in you desires that are contrary to the will of God. And there's a spirit where you just say, I have to have more. You never satisfy. More money, as soon as you get more money, you buy more things, get more in debt, so you have to get more money, you get more debt, and, more, and you're in this, this, this cycle of never being satisfied. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then lastly, Holy Spirit, passion for God. Those three things in this passage. That God has intended for you to be content. Wouldn't that be cool to be content? Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, it says, who? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's read that. Let's say that with me out loud. Let's look at the screen so, you can, so we can say it out loud in the same translation. Say, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. <sighs> 
If you could just have Jesus and everything he has assigned to you, he takes care of the birds of the air. I want you to stop. This would be a great exercise. Go sit in a park somewhere and watch the birds. I mean, literally, sit there and listen to them. I did this one day. My, my wife and I were on vacation somewhere, and we were sitting by the pool, which, you know, is kind of boring to me, but we do it. <laughs> and I, I, I got to have some kind of project, right? I'm, I got to do something. I got to do something. So one day, I spent like two hours listening and watching the birds and trying to interpret what they were saying. And I noticed there were certain birds that flew at a certain elevation off the ground. Then there were other birds that flew at a different elevation off the ground. And then there were other birds that flew at a higher elevation and they would come into different elevations but go back to where they were comfortable and they were communicating about food, about sticks and all the stuff they were trying to do because you could tell by what they were saying and what they were doing. And, and they were all happy and not one of them had a house. Not one of them had a roof. Not one of them had a refrigerator. Not one of them had a retirement. And the Bible says in, in, in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And, it's, and the righteousness of God, seek God. Trust God. He says he takes care of the birds. He takes care of the bees. Godliness with contentment is great, great gain. When is Jesus and all that he has provided for you enough? I, I, have, I, I struggle sometimes with anxiety. And I wake up anxious or sometimes during the day I'm anxious and I'm just like worried about all this stuff. And, 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 and God has been saying to me, stop. Stop. Be still. I got you. And I'm like, It's okay? Yeah, just stop. When can you do that and be okay? You have food in your stomach. You have clothes in your back. You have a place to live. Right now, you're good. You're worried about something that may not even happen. Trust me. Because when you worry, you're telling me I can't take care of you. I got you. If you can be content, and, and by the way, I'm going to give you stuff that's not for you. Some of the stuff you have is not for you. You're a pass-through. I'm going to give you things to give away. I guarantee you, every single one of you listening, you have stuff in your life, whether it be money, clothes, furniture, whatever, that, that its usefulness to you is over. Give it away. I, I joke about shoes, but there, there's lots of shoes in y'all's closets that you wore one time, four times. And they were made to be worn hundreds of times. And you'll never wear them again. But you, you're so greedy that you won't give them away. Because it's, it's all about you. There's a little spirit just saying, you can't give that away. You spent X dollars for those shoes. Why not? Godliness with contentment. Look what it says in verse 7. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. 
having full clothes with these, we shall be content. Man, wouldn't it be great if that could be your life? Do you have any idea the quality of life you will have? Things will not, things will not, things will not improve the quality of your life. The peace of God will improve the quality of life. What is the proof of that? Because we all know people with a lot more things than you whose lives are destroyed. It's not the things. It's just God. And we talk about tithes and offerings, you're like, Arr. the reason you're like, Arr, because you're like this with your stuff. And you think your stuff is your happiness. And God says, what? I gave my son and he died. And you're struggling over paper. Next, look what it says next in your notes. The spirit of more. Look what it says in verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Let me say first, there is nothing bad about being rich at all. There's nothing evil about having a lot of money at all. It says when you desire it, I have to have it. The Bible says when the love of money is the root of all evil, I have to have it. If God, let me tell you something, David was filthy rich. Solomon was the richest man ever to live. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. There's nothing wrong with being rich. God wants to bless you with all good things, but he wants to bless you so you can enjoy it. And part of it in enjoying it is sharing it. Part of it in enjoying it is not holding on to it and worshiping it over God, chasing it instead of God. And look what it says. What's very important in the Bible are to look at uh, words about passion and emotion and the action or the verbs in passages that talk about what we do. Look at these words. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, those who desire, everyone say desire. That's a passion or a desire. Then it says the verb is to, they fall into temptation. When you are desiring something, here's what the devil will do. Well, if you want what you, if you want this, you have to do this for me. What did he tell, he told Jesus, if, if, if you bow down to me, I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. That's what the devil told Jesus in Matthew 4. If you bow down, verb, I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. And so what the devil tells you, if you want all these things that you think are going to make you happy, which they're not. You have to bow down to me. Man, if me and God are good, I don't have to bow down to anybody. That's the battle. That's the battle. Look what it says, look what it says next in verse 10. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 9. For those who desire to be rich or desire to be powerful or desire to be first or desire, desire to win at the expense of other people, desire to be noticed more than anybody else, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts. Everyone say lust. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. By the way, a lust is not a sexual desire. Lust is a desire to have something that doesn't belong to you. It could be sexual, but it could, you could lust after cars. Not to have a physical relationship with the car, but just to have the car. 
You know, some cars are just like, <laughs> are, you, are you following what I'm saying? You know how I went, I went into a store once with my daughter and she saw a dress and she started to do this. <laughs> and, I, and I had to actually take her out of the store because we were making a scene. I said, breathe, Kelly, breathe, breathe. And she was just freaking out. That's, like, that's what I mean. It's like, you, you gotta, 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 gotta have it. Look what it says. It says, harmful lust which drown men into destruction. And then it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You ever think about the kinds of things you do because of your love for money? The kind of things you say, the friends you have, the friends you don't have, all rooted not in the word of God and your love for God, but rooted in your love for things. That's the problem. And how many things have you walked away from that you could have made more money or you could have benefited financially or with something and say, you know what, that violates what's in my heart. I've had pastors tell me, people walked up and said, I want to give you a million dollars, but the, the strings attached to the million dollars that will go to their church, they said, I don't want your money. Because their conviction of the word of God was being violated by what the money was attached to the money. It says, the love of money is the root of all evil. For, and then it says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, I... There are people who walk away from God because of their love for money. That's why whenever there's an offering or people or there's a sermon about money, people say, ah, why? Because your love for money. You said, I'd rather have my money than I'd rather have God. Or your love for things. Or we talk about serving, talk about going to life class. Your, your, your time is more important to you to use your way than God's way. It's all about your riches, holding on to what you think is going to make you happy. I'm telling you, it's not going to make you happy. Here's the thing about lust. Lust of any kind promises to please you, but its desire is to enslave you. Let me, tell you what I'm, let me say it again. It promises to please you, but its desire is to enslave you. Very quick analogy in drug addiction. Drug addiction one of the reasons drug addiction, you, you get addicted is because the, when you... Let me try to make this very short but clear. When you take drugs, I use cocaine because that was one of my drugs of choice back in the day. If you're new, yes, I used cocaine for a couple of years, years ago, not recently. Uh, and yes, I go to prison a lot, but not as an inmate, as a visitor. Some of y'all still might be tripping on that from a half hour ago. Uh, but when you use drugs, a drug goes into your brain, tells your brain to release a chemical or, or an uh, uh, endorphin that you have called dopamine. And dopamine is a pleasure drug. It makes you feel good. It means when you have an experience that's pleasurable, your brain says this is pleasurable. It releases a dopamine so you feel the pleasure. It's a natural uh, uh, endorphin chemical in your brain. And when the cocaine or whatever goes into your blood, it sends a message to your brain, release a lot of dopamine, and then you feel high. But the high you feel is not the cocaine. It's the dopamine that you already have. So you, oh, it's the white powder. No, the white powder is just telling your brain to do something your brain could do on its own. And what happens is it releases so much dopamine, and, 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 but so much more so that it can't be reabsorbed to be used again. That's why for all y'all who get high or been high and you think you, you, that first high is really good, I'm not going to ask you to say amen if you know what I'm talking about, but say amen if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
that first high is the best high because the, the, the dopamine store, the, the, the resource of dopamine is the highest. It can't get reabsorbed. So what happens is you end up chasing that first high, but you can't ever get it. It's a chemical, it's a biological impossibility. That's what lust does. It has you chasing something you can never get. What does that mean? That the, the emptiness in your heart, money will never fill it. It's not designed to. Things will never fill it. They're not designed to. And so what the devil does, he puts you in bondage to pursuing things, and that pursuit will enslave you. And then you find yourself in prison, in prison of debt, in prison of trying to keep up, in prison of, of false dreams out there of trying to, that things are going to make you happy. And, it's, and then you, it's an endless cycle that destroys you and, and, and drives you away from God because you don't have any time for God anymore. And the Bible's contrary to what you're trying to pursue. And you end up worshiping down, you end up worshiping the God of mammon or money and wealth versus saying, God, I'm going to worship you. And I am just a conduit for, for blessings, spiritual blessings, financial blessings, blessings of encouragement. Because I came into this world butt naked and I'm going to leave. I may have a suit on, but I'm still not going to have anything. I'm not taking anything with me. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So therefore, look what it says. I, 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 that was kind of a, a very weak response. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, okay. My prayer is that God would set you free from your bondage, that you would actually go home and do this with your life. God, go to your closet. What do you want? What do, what do I need to give to Toys for Joy? How can I bless a family? Ask God, have you, have you been tithing? Did you make an all-in commitment you haven't kept? Why not? You don't trust God. Have you, are you doing ministry? Who are you serving? How are you using your time? Is it all about you? Open your hands. Say, God, I, I just trust you. I'm content with you. And whatever you give me, I'm going to ask you, how do you want me to use my life, my resources, my relationships, my contacts, my experience, my wisdom? I am here to serve you. I'm not here to go to church once every now and then and then get some blessings and use it all for my pleasure. Because my pleasure is your pleasure. Lastly, number three, the Holy Spirit, passion for God. Verse 11, it says, but you, O man of God. Everyone say man of God. Say flee. Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and confessed and the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Everyone say man of God. Say woman of God. Everyone take a deep breath in. Say man of God. Take a deep breath in. Say woman of God. Here's what God says to you. I want you to flee that stuff. Fight the good fight. Number one, ask God, am I greedy? Am I selfish? Show me. Am I being faithful with my money? Am I being faithful with my time? Am I being faithful with my things? Have you given me things that are supposed to be a pass-through blessing to someone else and I am stealing from you? Ask God that. And if he shows you, run. Get rid of it. Get it out of your house. Get it out of your life. And say, Lord, 
I want to pursue with Holy Spirit passion. Righteousness in my life. I want to be a man or a woman of faith, of generosity, of forgiveness, of peace, of love. I want to be a person of the gospel. I don't want to be a person of the world. I want to hold this life very lightly because I am going to die and face you with nothing. And the only thing I have when I stand before you is my faith in you. And so in a minute we're going to pray. And here's my prayer for you today. Is that God would set you free from a spirit of discontent. Not being satisfied. Always need enough. Needing more. And not only things. But even power. And Lord, I just want to be surrendered, surrendered before you. And that you can say, Lord, I, it's a prayer of surrender. I completely surrender my life to you. It's a prayer of recommitment. And so in a minute, we're going to pray. And here's my challenge to all of you and all the campuses, because I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to stand up. It is a prayer, Lord, I am surrendering all of my life to you, whether it be for the first time or you've done it before, but you want to commit your life fresh to God today. Are you following me? Because not only does this message talk about what we're going through in our church and our all-in thing, but it talks about what we're going and it applies to what's going on in our country, that we would be people of God that hold on to nothing. And say, God, I'm willing to be what you want me to be. Say what you want me to say. Do what you want me to do. I hold on to nothing. I don't need it anymore. I just need, whatever you give me, I'm good. Whatever you give me, I'm good. So let's all bow our heads and pray. On all the campuses, bow your heads. Online, in prison, in juvenile hall, just bow your heads. Lord, thank you that godliness with contentment is great gain. That if I could just have a powerful relationship with Jesus Christ, that's enough for me. And if you want me to spend my time here or there, I'm good with that. That if you want me to give and be generous, I'm good with that because I trust you. If you want me to love and forgive even people who hate me, I'm good with that because I trust you and you did it for me. So if you would like to make that commitment to Christ, whether it be for salvation or you just need to get some of this nasty, greedy spirit of more off you, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Or if you just want to recommit and take your relationship to another level, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, you don't need to pray it out loud, but pray it in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, set me free from any spirit of greediness, selfishness, me-ism, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I surrender my passions and desires to Jesus Christ. Please forgive me, Lord. Please fill me with the Spirit of God, a spirit of peace, a spirit of generosity and patience. I surrender my life, my passions, my burdens, my fears <laughs> to my Lord and Savior. 
thank you, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed in whatever campus you're in, City Heights, San Ysidro, East County, San Marcos, in prison, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are making a public declaration. Me and everything I have belongs to my Lord and Savior. And I surrender my whole life to him. So if you pray that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are declaring your submission to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to count to three. Get your legs ready. Get your abs ready. <laughs> your back to stand. On the count of three. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. 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 We see you in the balcony. God bless you. 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 Now, I'm going to ask all of y'all who are standing in a minute to come down to the altar. If you're in a balcony, all you have to do is walk up, turn around and walk up, and the ushers will bring you down. The rest of us, we want to celebrate them. So if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar, and let's give them a hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stay right there. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Say hello to your brother. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God bless you. 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 Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. 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 You're welcome. God bless you. 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 Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give these people a big hand. Let's give encouragement.